Welcome back. It's great to be with you again. I'm James Paniki. This is MLEX's weekly podcast covering the big regulatory stories of the week with the assistance of our team of intrepid reporters from around the world. Now, regular listeners will know that we are no strangers to the complexities of digital platform regulation here at MLEX. In fact, just scroll back through recent podcasts and you'll see plenty of evidence for that. Well, an interesting sidebar to that story is Big Tech's growing interest in financial services. And why wouldn't the technology giants want to put their reservoir of data to good use in offering banking services to the public? It makes sense. And on paper, of course, that's all good and well. There's nothing like injecting competition into an industry usually dominated by large established players. But with financial services comes tight regulation, rules to keep the risk of money laundering at bay, to protect consumers, to guarantee competition, etc. The question that we pose today is this. Is big tech's move into financial services being assisted by the relatively light-touch regulation enjoyed by technology giants when compared to the more demanding rules being faced by capital B banks? In just over 10 minutes, we'll take a look at how that issue is playing out in China. There, the regulatory pushback against fintech or financial technology is part of a broader government policy shift against the powerful platforms. First up, though, we're joined by Neil Rowland, MLEX's senior correspondent covering financial services from Washington, D.C., although today he joins us from the west coast of Florida. Now, Neil, uh, you have written about how the Bank for International Settlements has recently sounded alarms about regulations applying to big tech's entry into the financial sector. So I suppose before we go anywhere uh, today, just remind us what the Swiss-based Bank for International Settlements does and why its opinion on fintech matters. It's a collection of the world's central banks like the Federal Reserve, like the European Central Bank, as well as financial regulators, such as uh, the UK's Financial Conduct Authority. And while it doesn't have binding authority, it can't mandate that national regulators do anything, it can guide them, it can issue guidance, it can do research, and it can coordinate. So it tries to look out across the horizon to see potential issues and threats. And on this occasion, it has looked out uh, across the horizon and found examples of tech giants entering into the financial services area that has raised concerns. But maybe you could give us some examples of Uh, tech giants that are entering this sphere and the type of services they're providing? Well, the most immediate, most recent entry that caused uh, alarm was Facebook's Libra, now called DM, proposal for them to provide a cryptocurrency and blockchain. And that immediately raised Um, money laundering concerns. How exposed will they be? How tightly regulated are they, say, compared to banks? But already um, there are uh, large technology companies that are involved in financial services. In the U.S., for example, the big three uh, that are providing uh, cloud computing for banks 
are Amazon, uh, Google, and um, Microsoft. And all three of them have units that provide cloud computing, which allow banks of different sizes to store uh, data, as well as they provide uh, computing power. So this um, enables banks to forego the high costs of initial IT expenditures. It's more efficient for banks, and more and more banks are relying on cloud providers. Now in Europe, you've got Oracle, you've got IBM, other big tech companies doing something similar. Now, you also have other uh, payment providers, attempts to provide payment and offer payments and lending. Big tech trying to get uh, a foothold in this area. For example, Apple has teamed up with Goldman Sachs, the Wall Street giant, to offer a credit card, Apple Pay. Amazon has teamed up with uh, the same Wall Street giant, Goldman Sachs, to offer mortgage lending to small and medium-sized banks. So they're trying to establish a toehold in the various sectors. While it now is a relatively small component, financial services are, of the big tech's source of revenue, only about 11% of big tech revenue comes from financial services, there are fears among uh, regulators that that could mushroom. Mm. Well, let's talk about that. What are the concerns of the Bank for International Settlements specifically uh, about big tech in the financial sector? What uh, worries them the most? Well, they have a host of concerns, but the biggest is that the immense size of these Goliaths Remember, they're the six biggest companies in the world by market cap, market capitalization, are big tech companies. They're technology companies. They dwarf the size of banks. That, in combination with their systemic importance, what that means is their systemic importance means if they were to falter, to wobble, to fail for any reason, let's say due to a cyber attack, that could have a domino effect on financial stability, not only in a country, but throughout the world. So the combination of their immense side, plus their potential for market dominance in the financial sector is what they're most concerned about. And how might they gain this financial, this dominance in a particular sector? Well, initially, regulators think it might be good to ha offer competition in a sector to the banks, even to non-banks to non in a particular sector. But over time, because of the data advantages, you know, these big tech companies vacuum up personal data that can be used as well as the financial net networks they offer that can be used in a host of ways that the regulators are trying to visualize could be harmful. Now, keep in mind, regulators at this point are flummoxed by this because this is not what they had in mind when they uh, approached the Basel Accords, 
when in the U.S. they approached the Dodd-Frank Act in 2010 after the great financial crisis in 2007 to 09. In those models, those were a, a framework for banks and other financial institutions and maybe for derivatives traders such as uh, hedge funds or private equity firms or pension funds that trade with banks, but not for technology companies, which have kind of emerged like uh, behemoth, like Goliaths from the soil to spread their tentacles. And the regulators are trying to figure out where are these tentacles going to spread. And so they have concerns about One, privacy, that's a consumer protection concern. They have concerns about um, money laundering. They have concerns about financial stability, which we refer to. That's all in the financial stability, the financial regulatory realm. But they also have concerns in the competition arena. When you have companies this big that can dominate a sector that can spread within their markets, kind of like an ink stain because of their the dominance, their, their use of data and the way that data can be used in a, in a conflict of interest to cross fertilize within the same company, non-financial services they provide or complementary services they provide that can pose a competition issue as well. So regulators across regulatory bounds uh, are trying to get their arms around where this may lead. Now, you described that the regulators are indeed flummoxed by this new reality. So what uh, kinds of regulation would BIS like to see for these tech giants? Well, they're still grappling with that, James. It's kind of unequal is what they see between Uh, non-bank players in this arena, which includes uh, the big tech companies, uh, which are uh, what they call activity-based. They have to get licenses for a particular activity that they're involved in. Let's say credit underwriting or payment services under the, the maxim, same activity, same regulation, no matter what the firm. But the banks, meanwhile, are regulated entity by entity. So that means particular banks get oversight uh, for, say, uh, in the financial stability arena, their capital, liquidity, and leverage requirements to be sure if the bank were to fail, it wouldn't cause, uh, again, ripple effects. So um, a bank that wants to you know, accept deposits and offer loans has to accept the uh, regulatory framework of being uh, overseen as a complete entity, not by its activity. So regulators are asking, uh, well, they're getting input, whether they want it or not, for the banking industry that's saying, well, wait, if these fintechs are subject to less stringent regulation, activity-based, why shouldn't we be subject to activity-based? And regulators are thinking, no, it should maybe go the opposite way, that big tech 
should be subject to uh, you know this entity-based approach and so what that might mean in the US for example is you know um, the regulators were given by the Dodd-Frank Act the authority to designate particular financial institutions as systemically important subjecting them to closer oversight and that means the banks it has meant the insurers in the past till the Trump administration undid that but why not these uh, why not these big tech companies that's what some democratic lawmakers are saying particularly since uh, financial market utilities like the Chicago Market Exchange or the Intercontinental Exchange are subject to uh, systemically important designations. So that might be the next frontier for entity-based oversight in the U.S. Meanwhile, in the comp- competition arena, you've got both Europe and the U.S. is interested in getting ahead of this curve because they feel that after the fact, taking enforcement of action after the fact is, is not timely and not necessarily effective. And they're trying to come up with rules that would do so, uh, that would uh, set standards in advance while trying to anticipate the future. So Europe is, is ahead of the curve. And in, only in December, just a couple of months ago, was were proposed uh, two legislative actions, the um, Digital Market Act and the Digital Services Act, in an attempt to curb potential monopolistic practices in this area. Neil, it has been a, a great pleasure talking to you today. Thank you so much for your time. I'll see you soon. Thank you, James. Neil Rowland, Senior Correspondent here at MNEX, covering financial services from Washington, D.C., and we'll post a link to Neil's most recent writing on big tech's adventures in the world of banking at our website, mlexmarketinsight.com. That's M-L-E-X, marketinsight.com. Just click on the Insight Center tab. Coming up, China's crackdown on technology giants and what it means for fintech. This is MLEX's weekly podcast. I'm James Paniki, and a reminder that you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Now, if you're searching for a development that's emblematic of Beijing's new muscular stance on digital platforms, look no further than what happened to Ant Group, the company affiliated with online platform Alibaba. The company owns Alipay, which is a payment platform, and late last year it had been heading for one of the largest IPOs in history. Then the regulators came knocking on the door of Jack Ma, the company's charismatic co-founder, and everything was put on hold. Yonex Lee is MLEX's chief correspondent for Greater China, and she's been following the issue for us, and she joins us now from Hong Kong. Okay, Yonex, uh, tell me something about what has happened recently in terms of big tech's expansion into the financial services sector of China. Um, obviously, I think the Chinese government is taking a tough approach. And so to give you some background, um, big tech like Alibaba, Tencent, they have been offering financial uh, services for years in China. Um, say, for, for example, uh, Alipay, WeChat Pay, um, those are payment apps that have replaced cash payments throughout the country in daily life. 
And then we also have um, Alibaba's uh, associated company Ant Group, which also offered some uh, small value loans, uh, what they call micro lending. So it's everywhere. But then uh, since November last year, uh, we uh, have seen a regulatory, regulatory turn where the financial regulators, um, together with the antitrust regulator, they are all tightening oversight in the big tech. And uh, so first we, we, um, we see Ant IPO suspended and then the company is being requested to comply fully with uh, relevant financial rules and regulations. And then we have the top leaders in China. They made clear in a conference in December that um, uh, where they set the economic agenda for 2021, uh, that they pledged to prevent what they call this orderly expansion of capital. And they all take aim at the big tech using means like the anti-monopoly law. Okay, so what you're describing to me is a strengthening or an uptick in the level of regulation. Uh, it points to a break from the past, but in what way? In what way does all of this differ from what uh, Chinese authorities had been doing previously? Okay, um, the Chinese regulators in the past couple of years, um, the agenda for big tech is very clear. It's inclusive and a prudent approach. And the message that they uh, gave us was that they didn't want to overregulate it so as not to prohibit innovation. But um, So what we saw was more of a wait-and-see approach, even though there have been complaints about how they are going, uh, growing too big and abusing their dominance. But now uh, it's no longer regulatory inaction, and they are taking a, a proactive approach. They would emphasize that uh, the Internet sector is not uh, beyond the reach of the law. All right. So, but why has this changed to a more wait and see approach, as you've just described it, to a more proactive approach? Um, how did that come about? What sparked it? Mm-hmm. I think um, there was an article by the PBOC, um, the People's Bank of China, which is um, the uh, China's central bank. I think it expla- explained it well. Where um, the article was called "The Potential uh, Risks and Supervision of Large Internet Companies Entering the Financial Sector." And they name Ant in that uh, article as a systemic giant uh, um, too big to fail. So uh, they are waking up to the harm that the, uh, the fintech giants may do from an antitrust, data privacy, and even systemic front. And they um, realize that they can't turn a blind eye to their fast expansion and also, you know, the, the uh, the complaints that are, that are coming in. So what you're saying is that they are concerned that these uh, these companies are so big that if they were to uh, fail, if they were to uh, have problems, that would have um, all sorts of repercussions for the rest of the economy. Yes, um, I think they, they have figures. They show that Ant serves more than 1 billion individual users and like 80 million institutional users. So it's huge influence across the country. It influences everywhere in, in China. And so they want to make sure that um, the financial system is secure and is safe. And they highlight some major risk if the ex- uh, expansion of the big tech is uncontrolled in the, uh, in the fintech industry. Um, they see that they are building monopolies by amassing the data that they connect from you know, the 1.3 billion people in China. And also they see the increasing regulatory challenges posed by the sophisticated technologies, technologies adopted by the big tech. And so they see systemic risks relating to the likes of Ant. Uh, it may trigger some serious risk contagion, is what they say, yeah. And this brings us to the issue that we were discussing just now with Neil, big tech's growing role in financial services. What specific 
regulations are now in place targeting those moves by the tech giants? Yeah, um, the regulators are really uh, proactive in in, in drafting uh, new regulations for the big tech. And last month, uh, the central bank issued draft uh, regulations for the non-bank payment institutions. So it's the WeChat Pay, the Alipay. And the uh, central bank called on the antitrust regulator to stop them from abusing their dominant positions and even asked to split up the dominant non-bank payment institutions if they seriously harm the healthy development of the market. And such calls have been unprecedented in in China. And they also set up some uh, precautionary mechanism. For example, when one non-bank payment company has one third of the national electronic uh, payment market, or two of them have 50% or three of them have 60% of the market, then that system will be triggered and the antitrust uh, enforcers will intervene. Yonex, it's always great to chat with you. Thank you so much for taking the time. You too. Thank you, James. Yonex Lee is MLEX's chief correspondent for Greater China. She was speaking to us from Hong Kong. And we'll post our China team's most recent analysis of the new regulatory paradigm at the usual place, mlexmarketinsight.com. That's mlexmarketinsight, or one word, dot com. And best wishes, of course, for Chinese New Year to those who are celebrating it at the moment. Alas, that brings us to the end of another podcast. We'll be back in your feed next Friday at more or less the same time, and we hope you're able to tune in for the very latest on regulatory affairs. My name is James Paniki. I'm MLEX's Asia-Pacific Senior Editor. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you again very soon. Bye for now. Music